If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to professional wrestling, if you are talking about it, we are talking about it. Welcome to the Wrestle Chat Podcast with the Ant-Man. I hope by the end of this podcast, we can show you how a kid from Southern Oklahoma and another born in Canada and raised in England have so much in common, all because of their affection for professional wrestling and specifically the Von Erich family. I being the kid from Oklahoma and my guest discovering world-class championship wrestling after moving, no, not to Texas, but England. He's the writer and the director of the Iron Claw, Sean Durkin. Welcome to the Wrestle Chat Podcast. Good to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're we're talking about a time where, you know, streaming whatever match that you wanted was well, it was impossible. It hadn't been invented yet. You you were at the mercy of syndicated television, or if you were lucky, you, you knew someone who could record some matches on a VHS and, and give those to you. So tell me, how did you come to discover world class championship wrestling from Dallas, Texas, and the Von Erich family while living in England? Yeah, I mean, it was a challenge. Uh, so. You know, it was late 80s, early 90s. I was just so obsessed with wrestling. You know, it was um, it was everything to me. It was I was, you know, getting home from school, playing with my wrestling toys, going to school, trying to convince my friends to come over to my house and wrestle, writing characters for them, <laughs> uh, like trying to host events. So, it, you know, and then every time something would come through. Uh, my dad would take me, you know, and it was, it was everything, but it was never enough. So it's like every, you know, issue of pro wrestling illustrated, I could get my hands on yeah. back orders, you know, like, and then, and then just like tapes, any, any tape I could find. And, um, and I, you know, I must've come across, I, I can't remember exactly, but I must come across like a best of NWA tape, you know, that had some free birds, Von Eric's, uh, sportatorium matches on it. And, uh, you know, it was just at that point, everything was pretty colorful and 
you know, verging on cartoonish and to, to, to discover the sportatorium at that moment in time was, it just looked different. You know, it was yeah. exciting. It was, it was just, you know, more raw, dirtier. It was, you know, you just like wanted to be there and feel that energy. Um, and, uh, and then, and then at the same time, I, I, I got to see Carrie live in person in the WWF. So I was sort of able to, you know, put these two things together and, um, just, just really love them. Was Carrie your favorite? Uh, yeah, I don't have a favorite. I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie was mine. Carrie was my favorite growing up and, and they would, you know, not tour like they do now, but they would come to small, um, you know, gymnasiums in Southern Oklahoma where I grew up. And so it was, you know, now looking back on it, I did not realize how blessed we were to be so close to the action and to see the stars that we got to see in the space that we got to see them in, because it, it wasn't, it wasn't Madison square garden. It was my high school gym. Incredible. I mean, in some ways that that's the energy I wanted to tap into and making the movie was like to be that close to these guys in these small places that were just, you know, wrestling so polished and grand now you know and just getting back to some of those the 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 purity of it i just i just love that time and and that's yeah it's incredible that you experience that anyone who's uh who was a fan in you know in real time while it was going on uh has since gone back to watch you know documentaries and and shoot interviews and things like that on youtube so the stories are out there but what i absolutely loved about the movie, The Iron Claw, is that it was unsensationalized, if that's a word, <laughs> and it was all also all in one place. It wasn't from an, an objective of somebody trying to, you know, prop themselves up. How 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 were you able to compile and make sense of all the stories that you heard for this movie in order to make the movie? Yeah, it's it was the big challenge, right? Like you know. When I started the writing process, I, I knew a certain amount just from memory and experience. And, and but but when you start digging into the to build a timeline of events, both from a wrestling standpoint, from a sort of family event standpoint, and then filling in those gaps with you know getting to know the brothers through whatever whatever you, you know whatever way you can from what was out there, it's just such an epic undertaking, and so. I started the process of chipping away and and just trying to find the core of the story. But again, without ever trying to sensationalize anything, I just, I just wanted to tell this human story of, um, you know, I, I, I think in some way, some of my original interest in wrestling was like that these guys are out in the ring performing the ultimate act of pain or the ultimate act of joy, or, you know, um, or, you know, you can go and, and as an audience member, have all these feelings that they're having in the ring that you can't necessarily have in life. And and what drew me to this story and, and what I'm most interested in was like, well, they were showing all these emotions in the ring and performing the stuff, but in real life, they weren't allowed to have those feelings. They weren't allowed to show their emotions. And, and so for me, it was always the way in was always through this sort of inner, inner life and trying to get to that. You know, some of my my favorite films ever are the ones that I find something new every time I watch them because of all the detail that's in the movie. And I I missed on the first pass or the second pass. The amount of detail that went into the Iron Claw was unreal. I, I, I mentioned just, you know, in a in the trailer, I saw how the the actor portraying Michael Hayes would bump. 
And he looked exactly like Michael Hayes bumping back then. And uh, I don't know what Michael Hayes would look like bumping right now, but <laughs> he looked like him back then, at least. Uh, you know, uh, clearly detail in this film was very important to you. Yeah, very important. And it always is. And I think it's even higher when you're a wrestling fan making a wrestling movie. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, as a wrestling fan that when something comes out about wrestling, you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to take it down if it's not right. right. And so... Uh, I know the bar is high and, you know, when I, when I brought in Chavo Guerrero to, 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 to be my partner on the wrestling side and to, you know, train these actors. And, you know, I told him, I was like, this, this has to be the highest level. So, you know, people have to consider this, you know, one of the best movies about wrestling you could imagine because it ha it just has to be that good in order to, to, you know, have people accept it. And um, and so, you know, we set the bar high and, and, and really tried to live up to that. No, you did. It was it was wonderful. Do you not to ask like your favorite one, but do you have uh, you have one in particular that you wanted to make sure and fine tune and go this hat, this detail or these details need to be spot on? Yeah, you know, it's it's in, there, there was definitely some things like you know, costume things. There's some iconic moments, right? Some of the robes, like, uh, you know, some of those things we wanted to recreate those so to, 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 to give you that, you know, that sense of place and like having Gino and Brody in it felt really important. And not only them in the ring, but then backstage had that conversation that, you know, them on the road, you know, like being idiots in a bar, you know what I mean? Just like having a bit of, <laughs> having a bit of that life to it felt, felt really important. And, um, and, you know, having like Skander Akbar in the first scene, like just like these things are, where we're not necessarily announcing them, but they're there. And if you know about them, you can see them. But also, like, if you're not a wrestling fan, you don't need to know. And that's and that's important, too, is like that balance of because I want people to come to this who are not wrestling fans, who are, yeah. you know, I, I want to like hopefully shed some light on the wrestling world in the process, uh, you know, to, to people who are not into wrestling. There in back then too. I mean, I know these guys would be saying, "Thank God there weren't," but there were no cell phones. Nobody's shooting video of them at the bar, so you have to use your imagination. And I feel like the movie gave us a glimpse at something we'll never get to see of guys like that hanging out, you know, before matches, after matches, back in the locker room, things like that. Yeah, it was certainly something I, I sort of dreamed of, and was like, "Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, what are they? You know, what, what are they doing in the?" crabby bar they're going to that night and yeah there's so many stories inside this one grand story of the iron claw was there a particular one that you shot that ended up on the proverbial cutting room floor yeah for sure there definitely was there always there always is obviously um there's you know there's there's just, i guess along the uh, like in the whole process there's always like you're making these choices to focus the movie and um, so there's, there's always things and you're just like, you know, we're just constantly examining what's the best way to tell the story. What's the focus of the story and making those decisions. Um, there are two details, uh, front end and back end Jackie and Chris that were not a part of this story. Uh, is there, was there a, a, a and I'm sure there is, but I want to hear your answer on that. Was there a thought process of not including them in this movie? Cause it's not about necessarily the Von Eric the whole life it's about th it, it, this one together collective story that is the movie what was the thought on on not including them 
yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was the hardest decision I've ever made as a writer, you know, I wrote, sure. wrote the script for seven years and, 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 and Chris was in it for five of those years. I oh. mean, we, um, I, you know, I, I basically at, at a certain point have to separate the, the real life and you have to focus on characters on a page and getting a movie made and, and what the storytelling is. And, you know, on a human level, it's one thing, but on a storytelling level, there's a, a repetition that occurs and that the movie couldn't necessarily sustain. And so uh, I, I made the very difficult decision to take some of some of the things I learned about Chris and bring them into the character of Mike so that Mike in the film is, is a little bit of Chris, a, a bit of Mike and, you know, but, but everyone becomes a character in a movie essentially at a certain point. And um, yeah, just, just had to, to, to make that call. And, and, you know, it was, it was also just about that the film isn't about grief, you know, it's not about basking in that it's about trying to get the energy of the family and the and kevin's survival and again it was just f feeding into to making a story about kevin's survival and and you know in the same with jackie i think you know in in earlier drafts I, I probably dealt with that a bit more but um again it was just you know making the choice to make jackie someone talked about and then yeah. obviously there's you know <laughs> i feel like there was a little nod to chris at kevin's wedding when uh, when uh, Doris uh, said, uh, you know, good thing I can't get pregnant again. <laughs> and I don't know if timeline that even matches up that like, oh, OK, it could have been around that time. I felt that like that was a little wink if you just paid attention. And if it wasn't, just let me believe it was. <laughs> OK, OK, got it. Listen, I know you wanted to tell this story of the Von Erich family without, you know, the input of one particular person, just just one from one point of view. And and what I mean by that is you didn't want it, you know, from Kevin's point of view or from, you know, let's just say someone inside WCCW, like Bill Mercer's point of view on this. What would you say your biggest challenge in accomplishing that was, though? Um. Yeah, again, just trying to trying to collect everything. You know, one of the one of the big early challenges was like how how to make sure the source is good, how to make sure it's yeah. not coming from like gossip or myth or you know like those sorts of things that emerge in 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 wrestling folklore, and making sure that that they were you know we're basing the events in the movie off of things that did happen, and and figuring out those reputable sources, and you know, uh, so that that was really the journey, but. Um, just trying to look at everything and everyone. And, you know, I mean, again, like, you know, Chris, you know, making the decision to lose Chris is one thing, but there's also like a lot of wrestling detail that I just loved that, that I sort of, you know, just even, uh, you know, the, the way the show was shot and those decisions to, to use the camera the way that they did back then, that was, that was all a, a big, uh, that was all, you know, a really difficult decision. And, and sure. but ultimately it's about, again, it's about Kevin's survival and Kevin's emotional story. Yeah, for sure. For those who aren't fans or don't get what pro wrestling is, there can often be, you know, at, at times a stigma around this form of entertainment. So I wonder how much convincing there was uh, of individuals at the studio or with any particular actors to be a part of a quote unquote wrestling movie um it's interesting you know i think um so i started working on this in 2015 mm -hmm. 
And I feel like as I was sort of quietly building and building the film and um, and putting it together, I think maybe there were some questions about that, but um, my love for wrestling is deep and I just trusted that, it, you know, ultimately I could, I could get people on side eventually. But I think also in that time, I feel like wrestling is like, you know, maybe some of the people who would have said, you know, why would you do this then probably aren't saying it now, you know, it feels yeah. like we're, you know, it's, 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 it, we're coming to, we're in a sort of, uh, I don't know how to put it like a, you know, we're, we're in, a, in a high point again. And, and it's, it's, you know what I mean? And, and so uh, I think it's some of the timing of that and building the film at a time where, where, where wrestling is having such a great moment again, it was, was helpful and, and lucky. Doesn't hurt that two major stars are, pro wrestlers does it two major movie stars with with the rock and, and john yeah. cena doesn't, oh, absolutely. Doesn't that, yeah. absolutely are you watching i met john last first did you oh how, how was that yeah it's incredible yeah are you watching any of the current product um you know not not as regularly as i would like to um yeah. uh, i i sort of keep an eye on things i watch occasionally watch some of the big matches and stuff and um, but yeah, not, not as regularly as I'd like. You're a little busy right now. I understand. Yeah. Two, <laughs> two, two small kids too. Yes. You know, that, that'll do it right there. I have two as well. Clearly a 24 believes in this film because, you know, it seems like movies that are promoted as July 4th movies and Christmas releases are ones that they're you know, pushing to be big ones. What would you say your expectations for the iron claw are? Look, I you know I I focus on the on the movie and getting the movie made and making the best movie I believe possible and uh, beyond that you know sort of hand it over to them and you know they've just been the best partners and they believe in it and 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 by releasing it on Christmas it's sort of you know the ultimate show of how much they yeah. believe in it so um, yeah I mean look we, you know we've been screening it for about a month now and it seems to really be affecting audiences on an emotional level on a wrestling level on uh, so so hopefully that continues once once we get it out wide want to be as professional as I can on on an interview with you but it did take me back and it was it was very weird's not the right word, but it, man, I've never, I haven't been taken back like that with the WWE network. I haven't been taken back like that with watching old matches on YouTube. I was watching this movie. It, I was, and I, I went to, did you ever go to the sportatorium or get a chance to before it was taken down? No, never. I went to the, um, I went to the ground, went to the ground and, uh, I, I got to be inside the sportatorium one time, but not for wrestling. My dad is a country singer and, uh, not, not well known, but he was opening for another artist. The stage was the ring with no ropes. And after the concert and everything was cleared out, I wrestled a match in the sportatorium ring against my father. Wow. That's incredible. And to just uh, and I know that wasn't the inside of the sportatorium clearly because the place is gone. But when when you were shooting, when I saw the the first shot of the inside of, of the sportatorium of the movie, I was like, "There it is. That's it. That's the place. 
that's the place. Thank you for making this film and thank you for for the hard work you put into it and for sharing it with with many, many, many people just like me who you you've you've instantly taken back and uh, and provided some even in the middle of so much heartache for and tragedy in a family that it, it brought some it brought some closure, I think for some people and uh, you know I'm not gonna speak for them, but I think that stuff like this does. And also uh, just helps uh, remember a great time in pro wrestling and, and something that, like, I, I started off the conversation with a, a kid from southern Oklahoma and a, a kid from England had in common and didn't even didn't even know we were watching watching the same stuff. And I appreciate you taking the time to be on the on the podcast today. And it's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Your uh, your reaction means a lot. And that's, you know, what, what I what I hope people are going to get from it. So thank you very much. Hope everybody goes to see it. Sean, thank you so much. Great to talk to you today, man. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.